live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy-Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy-Klein. Yeah, well, I got a news flash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. <laughs> I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. <laughs> Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome to the show. How are you guys doing this week? Hey, Kelly. Uh, hi. How are you doing? I'm doing good. We got our we got our Brooklyn on today. Yes. Why do I always sound like I'm from New York when I have a cold? <laughs> um, probably because you have that little nasally little accent. That Pennsylvania mm-hmm. accent mixes in with your nasal juices. <laughs> Nasal juices. That's disgusting. Yep. I like it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's ironic because I just got back from New York. Maybe you got that cold from New York. I did. It must be a it must be a Manhattan cold, which is why I'm talking like this. There you go. There you go. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh. Holy crap, Kelly. You've got to okay. So you're. I know that. I know that everybody's really excitedly tweeting right now mm-hmm. about about the show and the and the and the the program. But yes. you're vibrating the hell out of my behind because I am. <laughs> I have my phone on vibrate, and I always put. I've always put oh. it up for my butt so that yeah. when it vibrates on the desk the microphone doesn't pick up the vibration so i put it under my butt and my butt's been vibrating like crazy for like <laughs> a lot well you're so popular people are tweeting at you and retweeting i know it's craziness and my butt's <laughs> liking it i'm going to put it under the side that hurts i think i pinched funny. my sciatic nerve oh no not the sciatica I did. I think I pinched it. So here's what I did because I'm a dumbass. <laughs> I go ahead. I did. <laughs> you can make fun of me. It's okay, Kelly. Okay. okay. So last week was my wedding anniversary. My, isn't that adorable? Right. It's like 400 something years. It is. It is. I technically my marriage turned 21. Oh. So we got it drunk. We took it out and got it drunk. (laughs) (laughs) But we've been together for like 430 years, though. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So we've only been married for 21. So we decided to like go to New York, you know, because we it's close. It's super close. You know, we hop on a bus where they're in two hours. So you don't think that it is, but it really is. It's super close. And, um. So we we um, went to New York, and the first day I was smart. I wore my flats because I'm like, it's going to be a nice day. We're going to be walking around a lot. We're going to go up on the High Line, and and we did. And I wore my flats, and I was comfortable. The second day, however, um, this is the day that we're supposed to just like take cabs everywhere and the subway because we're going to be adventurous. So I wore heels. All right. 
my husband decided to walk from our hotel in Chelsea to the 9-11 memorial. Okay, how far is that? 5,000 miles, I think. Oh, why? I'm, I'm pretty sure, give or take. <laughs> um, I mean, it was great because here's the thing. Like, I'm in this, I'm in this whole my, space of being mindful now. Right. You know, I'm going through a phase. If anybody on Parent Nation out there in Parent Nation wants to join me, we're on a mindfulness quest. We're we're unplugging from the iPod and plugging into the Wii Pod. Ooh. How cool is that? We're we're being we're being wonderized by the world around us. I'm learning all these new words, Kelly. I'm going to use them frequently. So so I'm unplugged from the the iPod and I'm and we're walking around Manhattan. Isn't there the the 10, 10 year anniversary of the New York dance parade? Oh. oh. There was such a thing. I didn't either, but apparently every time my husband and I go somewhere on the day that we plan to leave, there's usually like simultaneously a parade and a marathon, some kind <laughs> of a dog contest of some sort. Sure. Yeah. Major, major traffic clustering events going on. Right. So it's the dance parade and then the, the New York half marathon or something are going on at the same day because of course, and so we have to stop along the way and watch the dance parade. So you can't take the subway because then you'll miss the parade. Sure. And, you know, like we're seeing lots of things. And Chris is like, hey, let's go over here and check this out. So, you know, three miles offshoot that way. Long story, very long story, sort of short. I wind up with this blister the size of Montana on the <laughs> bottom of my foot. Oh, no. Right? Heel or ball? What's that? Heel or ball? Do you know that, like, out the opposite of the arch of your foot? Like, that fatty, fleshy part of your foot? Right. That makes that, that part. Eey. Yeah. Not so good. So, I'm going to take a sip of my juice because my throat is getting a little parched. Okay. Mm. So, I have to now limp because... <laughs> It, it it's ridiculous. I can't even put a sock on. It's so it hurts so bad. So now I'm limping for two days, and I in the process of limping, I think I might have pinched my sciatic nerve because now my right ass cheek hurts so bad. I can't even sleep. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> so so I'm mindful of the fact that my foot and my ass cheek both hurt really okay. badly. <laughs> it's part of my mindfulness process. And then last night I went to bed. I was feeling a little sleepy, go to bed early, can't sleep at all because my head, like all the, all the, the fluids in my body, my nasal juices or whatever the hell you called them, <laughs> all the fluids in my body congregate in the front of my face. Oh, party yeah. in the front of Tara's face. <laughs> it's not party in the all front those of white, face. All those white blood cells collecting. Oh, Lord, it's horrible. So, you know, I got up er extra early so I could, like, clear myself so that I could sound somewhat normal today for the show. Do you use a neti pot? 
No, those things make me gag. Just it's, it's kind of like some people can't stand the word moist. Right, right. I don't even like the term neti pot. It just makes me <laughs> gag. It makes me gag. I can't take it. Okay. No, not no neti potting for me. Besides, I've heard of people using those things and getting like bacteria in their sinuses that mm. eats their brains. Ooh. I'm, I just totally made that shit up. But no, it could happen. No, I did. I heard of people getting bacterial infections in their sinuses from using those. I can see that happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't use that. I prefer um, uh, vodka shots. Okay. <laughs> and hot showers and long walks on the beach. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's how I cure my cold. So, Chris Klein, if you're listening... Big Daddy, you're going to have to make that walk on the beach thing happen because mm-hmm. Manhattan in the rain made your wife sick. How far yeah. is the nearest beach from you? Uh, probably Jersey Shore. Okay. How many hours it's drive? Three-ish. Okay. Yeah, not too bad. No. No, not too bad. That's closer How- than me having to go to California. Yeah, but you are it doesn't even count for you because you're you're in Arizona. Right. Like, your whole yard is a beach. Uh-huh. It doesn't yes. even for you, Kelly. Okay. You're Maybe kind you of... to my beach. All right. I'll do that. <laughs> you have bodies of water in Arizona, right? We have lakes, yes. And we are about mm, five hours from Mexico, from Puerto Rico. No, Puerto Penasco, which is Rocky Point. And then about six hours to uh, the, the beaches in Cali. What are you going to do when the wall goes up? Oh, I don't know. We can still get through, I think. What, you're going to get through the wall? My car. Well, there will <laughs> there will still be a checkpoint. Uh, There'll still be a road. A hole in the wall, as it were. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny to me. I don't know if they'll be as nice to us if they if the wall goes up. <clears throat> I don't know. My my neighbors are much nicer since we put up a fence. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> or maybe it's just that I don't have to talk to them anymore. <laughs> There's no confusion. This is my lawn line, and that's your lawn line. You mow to here, and I mow to there. Don't right. mow over it because your blades are too short, and you're burning <laughs> my yard. <laughs> Whatever. Can't stand that shit. But I don't think I'd like a wall. I don't think we necessarily need a wall. Let me tell you a little story about a cute little bar that we went into called Agave. I had to think about it for a second. That's how good the bar was. Agave. It was called Agave in Manhattan. And we went into this bar and there was like nobody. It was so funny, Kelly. Every single bar we went into, we were the only people there. And then within minutes of us getting, like, getting our drink order taken or whatever, because that's mostly what happened, um, then the place would fill up with people. It was like a running joke for two days. It's that's like, funny. it was funny. But Chris is like, are we, like, ten minutes ahead of the rest of the world? Like, <laughs> I don't understand how this is happening so consistently, because we went to a lot of bars. But... Um, this one place that we went to, we walked in and we sat down and the, the bartender 
um, was going over the drink menu with us because it was really extensive. And my husband collects tequila. He loves tequila. He's a real aficionado. So we I'm looking at the drinks and I go, what is this racia stuff? And he said, oh, you never had it. And very, very strong accent. And we're like, no, he proceeds to give us like a 20 minute crash course on all the different kinds of tequilas, mezcals, racia. There's another one that begins with an S. There's a first press. There's and but here's the thing that's cool. This guy, obviously, all the people that the owner and all the people that work there are from Mexico. Okay. They go back there frequently um, to buy like um, to buy different like ingredients and booze and stuff like that. And they're so well educated about their craft and the food and their, the liquor and like they're, this guy wasn't a, he's a tequila expert. I don't even know what it's called. If you're a tequila expert, I hmm. lucky, awesome are two words that come to mind. But besides that, he, and I thought to myself, you know, here's the thing. He is, Mexico did send us the best that they have to offer with these guys. <laughs> you know? Yes. And then I started, I started noticing other things, too. Like, when people were walking down the street towards me, okay, I'm going to start getting a little political here, but anyway, when people were walking down the street towards me, I would look at them and try to judge what genitalia they had. Yeah. It was really difficult to do a lot. Of the time. Yes. It was difficult to do a lot of the time. You know, there were, there's some, there are some feminine looking men and some masculine looking women in the world. Did you ever notice that? Yeah. (laughs) So, so then I started noticing like how many screaming out of control kids did I see? We're talking about Manhattan and we walk, like I said, thousands of miles. So I'm, you know, we're in and out of stores, bars, restaurants, all this stuff. And I'm, I'm really paying attention. Like how many out of control kids did I see? None, not one, not one Kelly. Why not? Because people are full of shit. (laughs) Ah, because people complain too much. That's why. Because people see one kid among a thousand that loses their shit in the produce department at, you know, Walmart Supercenter, and all kids need to be beaten now. That's why. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I, it's ridiculous. I used so many unisex bathrooms. I don't know who was next to me, and I don't care. Right. You know, it was a door, and I sat down, and I did what I had to do, and I washed my hands, and I left. You know what bothers me more? The people who don't wash their hands. Yes. <laughs> gross. Right? Or going into the stall and having no toilet paper. Right. That bothers me more than the, the person next to me. You know what I do? What? <laughs> I use those seat covers. Do you really? Yeah, well, if you have to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the ass gaskets. <laughs> oh that's so funny i like it it's like a little blanket for your butt yes that's awesome there's so many things to complain about in the world aren't there 
Oh, yes. It's so funny. We were in one restaurant, uh, the Havana, Cuba. I'm, like, really pulling out the, uh, the, the promotional stuff here for the places right. that I love, right? But, and, oh, the tippler. Mm, I have to tell you about the tippler, but we don't have enough time. But anyway, so we're sitting in this restaurant. Again, my husband and I are the only people in there when we walk in the door. And then a couple other people sit down. And they start eating, and the there's a table with two little girls, cute as can be, so polite, so wonderful, these two little girls with their parents, and, you know, people gave them the side eye when they walked in, like, oh, shit, you know, here come these two little girls, they're going to ruin my experience. You know who ruined our, our experience? Those people. No, the loudmouth asshole who didn't have enough fruit in her sangria. Oh. That was the woman who ruined it for everybody. Not the two beautiful little well-behaved girls that were giggling and laughing with their parents and then the one little girl who spilled her drink. And so what? <laughs> you know? So what? She, she, you know, was upset over it clearly because she was embarrassed. But she didn't make half the scene that the woman made that didn't have enough apples in her drink. Mm. Having to talk to the manager and everything. I'm not kidding you. It was ridiculous. Was she a millennial? Um, no, she was acting like it, but she wasn't. She was like my age, okay. you know, 29-ish. Right. No, like, <laughs> just barely out of the millennials. Exactly. But it just, it you know, I love really watching people. Because when you really pay attention, you notice that 90% of what you hear in gossip and on the news is bullshit. Right. Right. Create your own experience. You know, that's what I say. Speaking of which, we're going to go to break soon. So I really want to talk about my program that's coming up. Yes, let's talk about it. Yeah, Raise the Parenting Bar. It's going to be so fun. I'm doing another call on June 1st, a free call. It's going to be different than the one that we had last week. Mm. We had so much great response from the first free call that we're going to do another one. Oh, um, oh nice. Yeah. And then the program itself starts on June 15th, and it's going it's an eight-week super fun parenting program that we're going to be doing, and we're going to bring back the village and, and uh, set ourselves straight so that we can raise the kids that we want to raise instead of what everybody tells us we should be doing, right? Anywho, so that's fun. So you should check it out on my website or you can go to Parent Nation Radio on Facebook and join the conversation. Either one is fine with us. So we're going to go to break and when we come back, we're going to be talking with Suzanne Casamento about her amazing book, Growing. (laughs) It's called Fingerprints when we come back. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. 
it or not, there are times when even I can't think of the right word. The inability to think of a word is called lethologica. Texas Monthly Magazine recently came out with some colorful homespun sayings. Old as dirt and common as cornbread in the Lone Star State. Did you hear about the Texan that could strut sitting down? But he was all hat and no cattle, which means very boastful, but with nothing about which to boast. On top of that, he don't know a widget from a wangdoodle or a diddly squat. His wife was a mighty strong woman. She'd charge hell with a bucket of ice water. She was always telling folks that he was so tight, he could squeeze a nickel till the buffalo screamed. She also said he was famous for calling the hogs all night or snoring. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to have my first guest with us today. Her name is Suzanne Casamento. And um, she is the author of two books, actually. Her first book is called Fingerprints. And um, it is, it's, it, it's a great book. I read it and it was, um, it's basically about uh, growing up as a teenager. Um, it's about a girl's experience um, in a, during the summer when she experienced a really abusive date rape kind of relationship and um she was also going through a change in her family there was a new stepdad involved and um went and lived with her girlfriend and the thing that amazed me so much about the book and the story is it took me back to my own teenage summers um when I was, you know, I, I grew up with a stepdad in the, in the household and I didn't always feel after he came into my space and my, my siblings were born, um, I didn't always feel like I had the same connection with my mom and things were going on in my life that I thought I should be able to talk to my mom about and I couldn't anymore. And it's just like the scary shit that we deal with as teenagers. Um, but from a parent's perspective, I loved reading the book and kind of being reminded of how I how I appear and what my kids are going through and how they, their perspective on, on life and, and what things are kind of happening for them. So anyway, that was a long winded introduction. Suzanne, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> Absolutely. Can you tell that I really loved it? I really loved it. It was like, I got like really mad because I, <laughs> I, because I saw, I saw, I read the book from the perspective of her mom, Tally's mm. mom, and um, it's it, it's I mean Savannah's mom. I'm sorry. Um, at the second book is the second book that you wrote. Choosing Tally is a companion book to Fingerprints, which is the first one that I read. Right. Um, I haven't read the second one yet, so don't ruin it for me. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was that. like it was amazing to me that. Um, all the when you when you start getting into the story um, about all the red flags that were there that that Savannah didn't see 
and it's kind of scary. You know, it's, yeah, it's, I was, I was, yeah, it was, it was a good book, but I can see that it would be really great for teenagers too. Cause you talked a lot about, um, how, how to handle these, these situations with teens. Right. Right. You're, you're more than just an author. Like you, you actually work with families with these kind of experiences too. Yes, I do. I work with those kinds of experiences and, and, and that book is based on, on my own personal experience. So, um, that, that the family members are very similar to my real family members. Uh, uh, thankfully we all like each other now. Um, but, but, uh, but my, my I think stepfather... George was kind of misunderstood the step <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But you know, <laughs> Well, once he once he aimed the shotgun at the crazy boyfriend, all was good. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like yes, there's the moment of redemption. Yes, we want our stepdads to shoot our boyfriends, but you know, <laughs> he's knight in shining armor. Exactly, exactly. He was. Um, but yeah, it, so so it, it's based on a personal experience, and it's meant to be. Uh, it's about a lot of things. Obviously, it's about uh, adjusting to a step family. It's about how how abuse is so subtle you don't even know it's happening. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it, I mean, it took a long time for me to figure out. Oh, something's wrong here. <laughs> like I didn't know anything was wrong until he hit me. Right. So, right. Yeah. Uh, but but reading the book as an adult, you totally go, oh shit, girl, you want to get out of that relationship right now. Yeah. Right. I know. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's crazy. So, um, I know a lot of parents, so everybody's going to rush out and buy the book and that's great. And in the meantime, if parent nation has teenagers that are dating and they're noticing parent, the parents are noticing differences in their teens. How do we determine if that difference is just simply, um, you know, Twitter pated? Or if it's, I'm in, my kid's in a, in a risky relationship. Um, it, that's a great question. Uh, obviously, when, if anytime there are big changes in behavior, um, and, and that goes from, from, let's say that you have an outgoing child who suddenly is, is, seems to be walking on eggshells. That's a huge sign. Um, because the person, um, the abuser will be controlling. They will want to know where that, where your child is at all times. There'll be constant texting, constant, where are you? What are you doing? What are you wearing? Why are you wearing that? Just constant criticism. Uh, that those are, those are definite uh, signs that something is really, really wrong. Uh, someone who's really negative complains often, you know, focuses someone with the attitude of, Oh, you can't do that. And why something can't be done versus how it can be done. Anyone who puts your child down or makes jokes at their expense, um, again, wants to know where you are all the time. It's controlling, makes plans for you. If the, if the, if it seems like, uh, the significant other, other is never satisfied, whatever your child does, it's never good enough for them. These are all signs that something's really, really wrong. And unfortunately, like you and me, when you're a kid, uh, you, you really do feel like you can't go to your parents. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's, it's so true. You. It's so true. So it's up to you to have 
open conversations and ask open-ended questions and not things like, what is he doing to you? But right. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes if you ask questions about how your child feels versus what's happening. So, well, well, how do you feel when he does that? And then just wait, don't answer the questions. Let your child talk. How do you feel when this happens? How does that make you feel? And, uh, and that, and that can help them open up versus, I don't want you doing that, or this shouldn't be happening, or, you know, I'm going to talk to his parents or whatever it is. It has to be right. a non-threatening situation. I so, feel like it's, I feel like it's a little bit more difficult to monitor because back in the day there was just a house phone and the oh, parents yeah. could answer it and they'd know it was him or kind of get a vibe of his voice like he or she. Uh-huh. And, um, you could kind of monitor how many times they call and that type of thing, but you can't do that anymore. You can, but it's more difficult. That's kind of what I was thinking too, Kelly, because we're in a, when you were saying like they're texting and constantly saying like, what are you wearing? That sounds like a, a day in Snapchat to me. Right. <clears throat> so yeah. how do you know the difference? It's, it's very difficult. And you know the difference? Basically, obviously, I mean, if those things are happening and, and you know that those things are happening and in addition, they, there are other telltale signs. Your child is... It seems depressed, seems sad. Again, changes in behavior, changes in uh, changes in grades, changes in activities. They don't want to do what they used to love uh, because a lot of the time, whoever's controlling them will want them all to themselves. So let's say that you have a child who's a soccer player and is in choir and also likes to tutor people. All that stuff's going to go away because their their controller, whoever's controlling them, is not going to want them to spend any time with anybody else. Mm. Yeah. And see, I don't know about you, but when we were younger, you brought the boyfriend or girlfriend around to meet your parents. You met their parents. They met your parents. Kids aren't meeting parents anymore. Yeah, I know. It's it's scary. (laughs) (laughs) So, So am I like the stalker mom? Because I'm like, you know what? If I don't get to meet her, you're breaking up with her. Forget it. <laughs> no, you're not the stalker mom. You're the mom. And, you know, It's your house. It's your rules. It's your family. You're the mom. You decide what you want to do. That's so funny. Thank you. And I'm going to, I hope my kids are listening because <laughs> that's how it's going down. You either bring them around or they're going down. That's how that's going to happen. So, the, Perfect. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, Here's another thing that's driving me crazy, and maybe you can shed a little light on this for Parent Nation, too. I can't stand the latest craze of dads talking to their little girls about how they're going to shoot their boyfriends or beat up their boyfriends or they're not allowed to have boyfriends. Do you think that that's contributing to um, little girls being accepting of controlling behavior? Definitely. Let's go back to the fact that my stepfather aimed a, aimed a gun at my crazy boyfriend. <laughs> okay, yeah, but that was brilliant, though. It was brilliant, and it was necessary. He was abusing me. I don't, in any way, shape, or form, want anyone to think that that is the way my parents parented, because they did not. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I absolutely agree. 
with you. Uh, I, I do think that that is that is controlling and it is demanding and it is it's also it's also saying, hey, violence is the way to go, and that there's zero tolerance here, and that there's zero tolerance for growing up and for love and for relationships, and that's not the way to go. I, I mean, I'm the the best thing you can possibly do is 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 try uh, as as hard as possible to have an open conversation and open dialogue and again ask those questions about feelings and and um and and find out what your kids are feeling versus what you think they should feel (laughs) right exactly oh and i see so many parents doing that too you know, like their their kid will be talking about a relationship and it's not like what they dreamed of having when they were a teenager. So they're like, no, you can do so much better. Mm, maybe, you know, that's kind of pushing your kids away too. Yeah. Like, you know, like trying to live your relationships vicariously through them. You already do that with everything else, right? Yes. Yes. One of the smartest things you can do is just shut up and listen. Right? Yes. So what's a parent to do? If their if their kid starts talking to them, okay, now now I've got I've shut up and I've listened, and my kid has completely spilled their guts, and I'm feeling so uncomfortable about what they're telling me. How what do I do? Well, then you seek help. You absolutely seek help, and you seek help no matter what. If you find out that your child is in a situation where they have been abused, and 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 let's remind ourselves that you know abuse comes in many forms. There's verbal abuse, there's emotional abuse, there's physical abuse, sexual abuse. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And just keep in mind that you know one in three teenagers is somehow abused by someone they're dating. Mm. That's huge. That's huge. One in three. One in three. One in three. That's the latest statistic. <clears throat> so, is that higher than it was in the past? Yes, it is higher than it was in the past. Why? Uh, well, I think that there are more ways to abuse. I think that they can be cyberbullied, which in choosing Tally, that's part of what happens to poor Tally. Um, you know, I think, I think that when we were kids, we could go home and at least home would be relatively safe. You could not answer the phone. You could shut yourself in your room. You know, there were no computers to get at, at you. There were no, uh, you know, people couldn't send horrible texts or, you know, keep the bullying going on, on, on Twitter or Facebook or Minecraft or wherever they were getting to you. Um, it's, it, you could actually shut it off at home and that, that doesn't happen now. Now wow. it's 24 hours a day. And it's happening younger too. Much younger. It's crazy. Yeah, it's scary. Definitely scary. So, so those, oh, go ahead. So it's, so you say to seek help, but I mean, is there a conversation that we should be having immediately with our kids? Definitely have a conversation immediately. And the conversation is, should be, uh, about well what's happening why is why is this okay with you you know what what is it that why do you feel that you deserve to be treated this way what is happening how can i how can i help you how can i let you know that you are loved and that love shouldn't hurt i get mm. that message across and then you know and you're safe and you can always talk to me about anything and but but there, this isn't once a child is abused or anybody's abused, you, you're not supposed to handle it alone. <laughs> you know, it, right. it, the, right, 
the best thing you can do is get some sort of help and seek a therapist or a coach or and and all the stigmas against that let it go every good player needs a coach <laughs> yes thank you Woo-hoo! <laughs> yeah. So, so get the help and figure it out because this kind of, when abuse starts early, it can become a pattern for someone for the rest of their lives. And you don't want your child to live like that for the rest of their lives and accept that kind of behavior from anybody. Exactly. And you know, here's another thing that I see a lot and we're like almost out of time. I can't stand it here. The other thing I see a lot is the parent who doesn't want to get help because they're allowing it to happen to them in their own relationship. Oh, well, <laughs> it's the worst. It is. It's like you're, you know, you're allowing someone to treat you that way in the name of love. And then you're going to turn around and say, but no one else can treat my child that way. Sure. You know, it doesn't work. I mean, that's it, how your child learns that it's okay. Exactly. So, oh my gosh, Parent Nation, examine what you're modeling in front of your kids, what you're allowing in front of your kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and if you wouldn't want someone to talk to your child the way you're allowing yourself to be spoken to or treated, then you all need to get help. Yes. Bravo. Yeah. Bravo. So how can people find your book and get a hold of you, Suzanne? Uh, you can find the book on uh, the books, Fingerprints and Choosing Tally on uh, Amazon.com. Cool. And if you want to connect, you can connect with me on my author Facebook page, Suzanne Casamento, and on Twitter at Suzanne Casamento. And uh, if you want to email me, you can email me too, Suzanne, C-A-S at AOL.com. Suzanne CAS at AOL.com. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Your books are awesome. I hope everybody goes out and gets them. <laughs> Thank Thanks you. So Take care. Tara Kennedy Klein needs a pee break. And then we'll be right back with more Parenting with a Twist. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Toginet Radio. It's Marching about the Gabrielunzi bear caught rummaging through a refrigerator in an apartment in Colorado? The tenant heard noises coming from the kitchen and saw a bear with his head in the fridge looking for anything it could eat. What's a word for food that's unfit for human consumption? Ma wallop. The tenant locked himself in his bedroom and called for help. What's a word for the fear of bears? Ursophobia. 
We have lots of bears near our Colorado cabin, and we have been told that pepper spray will keep them away. But the idea that it would keep a 500-pound grizzly bear from attacking seems ridiculous to me. I think I'll try the pepper spray on myself and hope the bear doesn't like spicy foods. It's Marching Day Rumor. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I wanted to, again, thank Suzanne uh, Casamento for being an awesome guest on our show today. Yay! And, yay! <laughs> and um, our next guest is Catherine Kemp Gaile, and she sent me this really amazing book called Mountain Mantras, Wellness and Life Lessons from the Slopes. And I was reading through it, and the thing that really, it, there's so many really funny, poignant stories in here. Um, about parenting and, uh, you know, all kinds of dietary lessons, like on eating healthy and all of that stuff. But the thing that I loved is it's just filled with these little mantras all the way through the book. And I really, really love that. And then she um, let us know that she has another book coming out about, it's a children's book about healthy eating. And um, I'm so now I'm super excited because there were so many great points and, and tips in her first book that I'm just can't wait to talk about her second book. So, hey, Catherine, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's such a pleasure. Absolutely. So you have um, you have a nonprofit called Nature and Healthy Solutions of Sun Valley. What's that all about? So it's interesting. My background is actually in management consulting. So I went through this crazy period of my life where I was traveling and three different cities per week and working 80 hour weeks and boom, then I had kids. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then it was like, okay, there is no such thing as balance. I'm going to accept that. And, um, I just did like a 180 on my life. And as I, as I found how difficult it was to feed my babies and then children and now teens in a healthy way, I figured that I was going to dedicate my career to finding fun strategies to getting kids to eat healthier. So I went back to school when my kids were little, and I got my certification in nutritional counseling. And then, yes, I started a nonprofit organization, which is so great because we can provide free programs to schools and to social service agencies and groups that really need, you know, cooking skills. We work with a lot of low-income families, families on a food stamp budget, and really, how do you make it work? I love that so much. I can't even tell you. I mean, I went through a period where um, I I was doing some work with some lower income families, and it was amazing to me when when I asked them to bring me a, a copy of what their grocery list would look like, first of all, none of them even had one. They were like, what do you mean a grocery list? And I was like, well, you're on a fixed budget. You're, why would you not have a grocery list? And then when they started writing out the things that they do buy, 
I was like, holy smoke, you know, no wonder you're always, you know, sitting in the emergency room to be always sick, you know, it, it was you know, ramen noodles and pasta and, and bread, but there was no fruit, there was no vegetables, there was nothing, you know, everything was Kraft macaroni and cheese, you know, it was, what can I buy for 99 cents and feed a lot of people? Right. And I think that that is one of those myths that I wanted to sort of um, solve is, can you eat healthy on a budget? And the answer is yes. And you might, you might need to change that grocery list or start a grocery list uh, <laughs> and, and include things, you know, that are healthy, that are low cost, like split peas, lentils, beans, whole grains, and yes, the fruits and vegetables. And that's one of the things that I've really been focusing on most recently is Gosh, I read a statistic that 91%, and this is low income, this is middle income, this is high income, this is the, the entire American population, 91% of us do not get the daily requirement of fruits and vegetables. No, sorry, of vegetables. Fruits, vegetables. <laughs> fruits we can get in. You know, they've got that nice sweet flavor, but I'm, I'm on a mission to give veggies a good name. <laughs> Amen, sister. I'll tell you, it's my cousin. I'm going to call you out, Trisha. She's probably listening. Um, when, when, my, when my cousin's littlest was tiny and he started eating baby food, it was like uh, four months in, he, he had this beautiful Donald Trump orange glow to his skin. <laughs> and here she took him to the pediatrician. She's like, what the hell's going on? And here all he would eat was carrots and sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. He had so much beta carotene. In his system, it was hysterical. I'm like, oh, he's a Oompa Loompa baby. <laughs> that that kid probably has vision like no other. Like, <laughs> so good for your eyes. He's like the space telescope. <laughs> the novel goes down. They get Nathan up there. But it was like, that was the funniest thing to me because I thought, you know, here he is, this little teeny person who's never experienced food outside of milk or rice cereal, and we're already allowing him to determine what he likes based on what we like. You know, like you taste it on your tongue to make sure it's not too hot, and you go, oh, that's disgusting. What Your baby's going to mimic what you do. They're going to mimic your reaction. So as little as six months old, we're teaching them not to like the strained peas you know? Yeah. Role modeling is important for sure. And, you know, I've been, I've been named the, um, the picky eater whisperer (laughs) by, by some parents. And, you know, part of what it is, I do think that role modeling is super important, but I think even more important is just to diffuse the whole thing. Like I think a lot of people, when we say, even if we're not eating our own vegetables, but we say you have to finish that, or it becomes the struggle, this battle, um, that's really where I focus when I work with families and I work with parents, I say, let's just diffuse the whole struggle because, you know, kids, they actually, when they're young, they have control over so few things that they're going to grasp on to whatever they can control. And eating is one of them. So I just really recommend to parents that we diffuse the struggle around food and instead we inspire and we can do that through role modeling. We educate and we do that in a fun way, and then we give choice. Mm, I love that. You know what? I, I have a really funny story about that. I went to a baby shower, and my teens, my little teen, was with me. <clears throat> He's a he was a picky eater, 
But he, when we went through the line, he grabbed a salad and, and, you know, he dressed up his salad and went over. And my cousin's like, how, this, this is a different cousin. Um, she goes, oh my God, how did you get your kids to eat salad? And I'm like, I let them eat salad. And you probably modeled that and you probably, <laughs> yum, this is so great. But no judgment on him, just kind of, you know, making, making it his choice. Yeah. It was like, you know, I'm eating a salad, and he's like, hey, what's that? And I'm like, oh, well, it's a salad. You know, big people eat these. Well, <laughs> I want, or little, calling broccoli little trees. Is that how you make it fun? Like, how do you make eating fun? Oh, I love, by the way, calling broccoli trees. Kids love that. Or you can, you can say, you know, you're a giant, and, you know, the, the trees are the broccoli, and then the clouds are the cauliflower. So, yes, I am talking about playing with your food. I'm, that's <laughs> one of my um, things that I use and one of my strategies and techniques. Another one is to focus on things that kids love. And so they love the rainbow. They love colors. And so we talk about the best colors as being those that come from Mother Nature. And then we start, you know, another thing that kids love is magic. And so I'll talk to kids about how each color has this incredible benefit to the body. Like we're talking about um, beta carotene and that's orange. That's good for your eyes, good for your skin, good for your immunity. That's vitamin C. Then red, you know, it's good for your heart and your mind because it's good for your cardiovascular system. I don't use those words with kids, but in that upcoming book that you mentioned, Give It a Go, Eat a Rainbow, we have this cute little character that gets shrunk down in size, sort of like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and goes on this magical journey through fruits and vegetables. And the magic is shown as sort of touching the, the character's body parts, like the stars on you know, the character's heart and then on the eyes, and then green is really good for the teeth, and, you know, and blue is really good for all over energy, and white is good for your tummy. So it's using like playful things. I talked about playing with food, about magic and color and rainbows are some of the easiest tools and techniques that parents can use just to keep it fun and keep it light. I love that. It's because one of the funniest stories, in my opinion, in your in the Mountain Mantras book, is when you find the stash of candy in your little girl's drawer, and <laughs> like like your first instinct is like, did you know that there's neurotoxins in there? And like your all these big words are going through your head, and you're like, she's not gonna understand what I'm talking about. Like she's really not gonna care. So <laughs> so you like barter with her instead, like to get the candy so that she can buy a Polly Pocket or something. Like that was. So funny to me, but I loved how you like right away in your head, you went to all these big words, but you realized immediately that that would have no impact in a conversation with your daughter. So you went to something that she did understand, which yes. was commerce. Absolutely. I think we need to remember what motivates kids and kids are not universally motivated by much. I mean, some kid <laughs> might be motivated by doing well in school. Another kid might be motivated by doing well in sports. Another kid you know, really doesn't like to be fooled by, you know, like the food manufacturing companies. And so that would be a kid that I would really teach how to read labels so that they can spot things like when being tricked by this. Um, most kids, though, overall are motivated by energy. And I really encourage that parents use that word when we're talking about food. Like this food is a go food. It gives you energy. It makes you run fast. It makes you can play, you know. Energy is a great term for both kids and adults. So how do you handle the kids that um, 
that are like, I don't eat vegetables. They are gross. Like, like the kid that convinces themselves that they hate broccoli so much that they physically gag when you try to get them to eat it. Okay. So again, that's a situation that we really need to diffuse because once you're getting to the point where you're gagging on food, it is definitely emotional Mm -hmm. and there's definitely something else going on. There's like a struggle. And so what I, what I do with kids and I see it all the time in school where in schools where they don't want to try something is I'm just like, okay, you don't want to try it. Well, it, it doesn't matter because what we start with is we start with different senses. We start with seeing and we start with smelling And then if we're feeling really good about it, then we taste. And so it becomes this thing where it's like, okay, well, looking at something isn't very scary. And I do think that kids need to look at vegetables. In fact, in the Give It a Go, Eat a Rainbow book, and I'm so excited to send that to you when it's printed. We're trying to push the publication date up so it's a little bit more like ready for summer and the the farmer's market stands and all that. Um, But we show the real fruits and vegetables and mostly vegetables because that starts the process of kids getting used to the foods. A lot of children's books that are about nutrition, they just have illustrated, you know, um, depictions of of vegetables. So they're not really starting that, that counter, you know, they say, you know, psychologically that you need to be exposed to something between seven and 16 times to actually, you know, become comfortable with it. So kids need to be seeing things. And again, that's, why I'm excited about this this rainbow book. Um, kids need to be smelling it to get more, a little bit more comfortable. And it's amazing. I was in a kindergarten class a few weeks ago, and the teacher told me that their kids are not, her kids were not very adventurous. And we were um, we had assigned them the group of white, so their color was going to be white because they were going to do a rainbow day, and they were assigned white. And so I brought turnips and radishes and onions and. Um, jicama and like different uh, things that were white. But then I brought white carrots because I knew they would, I was pretty sure they would try the white carrots. And then they did. And then they got so excited about all the other things that were on the plate. They're like, can we try the onion? And I'm like, the raw onion? (laughs) (laughs) And and the the teacher was like, she was freaking out because she couldn't believe she was so excited and happy. She couldn't believe the kids that were, that were just so excited. And it was because it was it was fun. We had played games. We played guess that food. They sort of um, reached into a bag. Um, I mentioned sight and smell, but they also can feel, you know, the vegetables. And they were trying to guess, well, what is that? You know, that's that's like a, you know, like a thin, papery feeling. Oh, that's an onion. So they were just getting more, more and more comfortable with it. And it was fun. And there was no pressure. So that's kind of a long answer to your question is if a kid doesn't like it, don't force Mm-hmm. But just start to think of ways to expose that are fun and and hopefully full of games. Do you encourage like a challenge? Yes. Okay. And I mentioned this in the mantra, Mountain Mantras book when my son hid one year's worth of omega three fish pills under his dresser. I was so mad, but I, <laughs> I didn't show him. Um, but I, he needed to try more foods that have omega threes in them because he wouldn't eat the pills. So I put together this bingo card and any parent can do this on just a you know, piece of scratch paper. You just build a grid and put a food in each of the grid that you would really be excited for the child to try, you know, like a different kind of lettuce or chard or tomatoes. And then for my son, I put in things like, you know, salmon and sesame seeds and, 
and things that had omega-3 in them. In fact, I put quinoa on his bingo card, and that's now his favorite food. And he loves salmon now. It's hysterical. But then you give them the, the card, and you say, you just make any bingo, like vertical, horizontal. You don't have to eat everything on the card, and there's no time limit. And then it becomes this game, and the, the kids, you know, they want to they wanna win. And this was back when the – remember Silly Bands? Yeah. They're like a dollar for a bag, and you've you got like a gazillion of them. So <laughs> I, I used the Silly Bands as a reward. So if they got a bingo, they got a Silly Band, and they were so excited. So whatever it is that motivates <laughs> your kid, um, don't make it a candy reward, please. But, um, you right. know, some kind of, you know, just little token that they're excited about becomes a game and you never know what they're going to discover. My son discovered I love that. salmon and quinoa. Favorite, favorite foods. That's so fun. My kid loves sushi now. So yeah, I get it. I, you know, make it fun. Make it a, make it a challenge. Oh, I love this so much. Catherine, we are so out of time right now, but I want to thank you for bringing all of this great information to the show. And people can check out your book, Mountain Mantras, Wellness and Life Lessons from the Slope. And soon, give it a go, eat a rainbow as soon as it comes out. Thank you to our guests and everybody. Check us out on Facebook and the website. And until next week, everyone, keep playing. Sometimes it just has to pass mom's little barometer of, is this going to shut them up? Connect with Tara online at tarakennedykline.com. Until next time, remember this. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling